Caveat emptor is Latin for buyer beware. That is terrible advice. Today's process is this. Utopian thinking kills progress. Sit back, relax. Let's light the lantern. Well, hello there, Rangers. Wade Skalski here, lawyer, online entrepreneur, and your guide to the understory. Because this place is filled with monsters and bandits, here comes your first warning. Although I am a lawyer, this podcast is not for legal advice. If you work with me, you must have a signed agreement. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. All right, let's enter the understory. Remember, admission is free, but understanding always has a price. Let's light the lantern. What is up, Rangers? Those of you who are in the understory against your will, and those of you who are in the understory on paper, on purpose, Wade Skalski here, the understory lawyer. All right, here's a uh, complexity warning. So it's not a trigger warning, it's a complexity warning. Uh, things, you might need a flow chart to keep track of the, uh, the abstract concepts I'm gonna run through today. Probably not, you're probably smarter than me, but I've somewhat set up a framework with my show notes, with my show title, and my intro, that is a web of ideas. It is a tangled web of ideas. So let's start off, shall we? All right, so where to begin? Where to begin? Let's begin with the intro. So caveat emptor is the idea that whenever you enter into a transaction with someone else, either be it through contract negotiations or simply just going down to your local mom and pop drugstore to buy yourself uh, a cherry Coke and perhaps a gumball that uh, you want to be you want to be cognizant that not everyone will give you what they say they're going to give you, or not everyone is coming from a pure place in the marketplace. So you've heard things like, if it's too good to be true, it usually is, stuff like that. And that's a concept that when I was young, I don't know if it was overtly by my parents, most of my dad did not talk, right? It's, like, it's almost like he was a mute. He just he just always would like look around and have a bemused, bemused look in his blue eyes. He has very, very light, light blue eyes. And he would always have a twinkle of them of a little humor about what was going on. And he'd have, like, have a, he'd have a very bemused look. He still has that bemused look right now. His eyes are a little bit more wrinkly because he's 78. I'm Ron Burgundy. So my dad didn't do a lot of that, but my mom was a talker. and. And so she had opinions, and um, so she she eventually became the mayor of our town, which was a suburb of Tucson called Oro Valley, and that was an adventure, uh, not an adventure in babysitting, but an adventure in an, let's just call it a, a political education. So that uh, there's bookends to my political education. One of them is my mom's experience as the mayor of our town, and the second one is my personal experience in uh, my advocacy in Virginia trying to craft a bill and draft a bill that I got submitted to the legislature for something that you would think everyone would be on board for, but they're not. So anyways, so politics is the, the one of the easiest things about me committing to making my place and doing a podcast every day where for sure anyone who wants to will pull stuff out of the daily podcast and like be like, you said this, right? Not realizing that uh, it's it's half podcast, half performance art, half 
uh, half a character, half myself, uh, half Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket, uh, all uh, rolled up into all into one. So cherry pick whatever you want. It's it's if you listen to the podcast of of anything, any serious amount of time. I try not to take myself too seriously. I think out loud. I say a lot of crazy shit. And as I work through it, the the I, the good ideas bubble to the top. The bad ideas bubble to the bottom. And. In any event, uh, so that was the good thing about the, the me not wanting to be in politics is I really wasn't concerned about saying something that's going to get me canceled because anyone who would cancel me, uh, I don't really want them in my in my playground anyway. I don't want to. That's fine. If you want to cancel people because you disagree with them, good for you. You're basically boycotting people is what you're doing. That's it. If you really think about canceling, it's it's, it's you're boycotting people and you're urging other people to boycott them as well, uh, which is it's just fine. I guess it's your American right to choose who you interact with and to use your First Amendment speech to persuade others to stop interacting with people because you think you are morally superior uh, in terms of uh, your ability to discern what's right and what's wrong and who is, quote, right and who is, quote, wrong. So good on you. I'm proud of you. I don't have that magical power. Uh, And uh, frankly, I would argue to you that it is a form of utopian thinking that pretty much makes everyone unhappy that's involved with it. But uh, that's on you. You can figure that out. If you're in that world, go go with God. Go ahead. Uh, I'll see you later. Oh, the barrette. I got my hands on the barrette. Nervous barrette opening and closing. So, cabinet, back to cabinet emptor. Now, cabinet emptor basically is the idea, like I said, is that you've got to kind of be aware of what you're doing when you're entering into an economic transaction with someone else. And my mom, my mom had a lot of this. I think, I, I think her political experience jaded her a little bit. I think, you know, she is a very smart person. She was in Mensa. And if you don't know what meant, or she is still in Mensa, I don't know if she didn't pay her dues and they kicked her out or she got more dumb and then they kicked her out. I don't know. I think she's still in it. But uh, can you get more dumb? I don't know. I don't think so. I think she got smarter and wily in her old age. She's also 70, 77, 77, 70, 78, 77. Um, in any event, so so she has a big brain and she used and, and so that big brain would generate a lot of opinions on things and she would she would relay her opinions to us and part of that percentage of that opinion pie, if you will, was the concept that um, there are a lot of people out there that don't deliver on what they say they do. There are a lot of people out there that don't have your best interest in mind. And they're uh, like like a corruption idea too, I think. And so, although all of those things are true, uh, that that concept is is sort of a form of, it's a form of utopian thinking, and you would say to yourself, "Well, wait, how is, is how is that possible? Utopian isn't utopian thinking the opposite. Isn't utopian thinking the idea that you can um, like have a political system that will cure all of man's ills, right? Or you'll have a artificial intelligence that will that will solve all of our problems, or you'll have um, a, you know there's a there's a perfect way of being, and, or there's a you know or whatever, or you know blah 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 blah, and." I would have you consider the possibility that 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 feeling of caveat emptor or that you must be skeptical is a form of utopian thinking for this reason. The concept of being skeptical revolves around the idea that there is a right way to be. Not of a person, but of a system. So you would say to yourself, all right, so we have this marketplace, we have capitalism, there's there should be a way that everyone is interacting with each other and that is the proper way to do it 
and when people don't do it, it's a negative. That's true. But the concept of um, constant skepticism is a utopian idea, not of the system, but a utopian idea of your ability to judge the system. It's a utopian belief in your own ability. And it's very easy to tear anything down. And there are a couple different reasons for that. There are a couple different principles why it's impossible to create any system that is perfect. Any course, any coaching philosophy, any magical codex, any, you know, any pamphlet, whatever. And the reason is, is a couple different things. One, there's the idea of entropy. The universe is an entropic place, which means that it constantly is breaking down. There's a constant pressure from all forces of nature to break things down. Time revolves in decay. Gravity pulls on, you know, gravity pulls on the whole earth. There's like the waves are crushing everything. You know, I was told there was no science today, but you get the point that I'm trying to make, right? Um, We all get old. My hair falls out at an accelerated pace. My ankles and hips start to creak a little bit. Like there's, there's an entropic pace to everything and so because there's a constant like just look at your yard every year weeds every year no matter what where the weeds come from i weeded them last year we it was funny when we were kids in north dakota we had kind of a vanity farm and we would go out and my dad wanted to plant crops every year like but not a lot of crops it wasn't like we were like going to the farmer's market with stuff we just we would just plant crops for our own use basically and it was pretty cool to have that experience to to be honest with you but one thing that always befuddled me as a little kid was that you would you would go out in the field and you would get rocks so we would because there's a tilling machine they would till and all that and you'd want to try to get big rocks out of there so that the blades aren't hitting it and we would go pick rocks now i don't know from a farming perspective is this something you actually had to do all the time um but maybe my dad just wanted us to go there and work. So I don't know, because I never farmed after that. But but every season that we went there, there was always more rocks. And I was like, well, hey, didn't we get all the rocks out last time? But for this, magically, the rocks always appear. It's impossible to clear out all the entropy. Okay, Weeds come in, you clear them out, they come in the next season. It's impossible. There's, there's a constant pressure of entropy everywhere. So that's, that's the problem number one. So that constant pressure on any system is going to cause cracks in the system. Any system. I don't care what system. Whatever your political leanings are, I don't, I don't care. If you're a magical socialist, great. If you're a magical capitalist, great. If you're a magical communist, great. Like Whatever you believe, just know that your magical system for... Um, of, for people to interact with each other and with commerce uh, will in its actual um, application and use will be just broken down by entropy and there'll be mistakes always. Same thing with any kind of institution. If you want to call it the police, if you want to call it Congress, if you want to call it the church, if you want anything, any institution will have that entropy on it. So that's issue number one. Issue number two is that, uh, I hate to break this to you, human beings are uh, really fallible and can be irrational creatures. And when you get a lot of them working together on something, it's going to have a lot of weird interactions. Just so you know, that one's for free. So when you when you have a system or a business or anything that has a lot of people in it, somebody's going to go out on Friday, drink a lot of gin fizzes. They're going to be super on Saturday and Sunday. They're going to come in and work really hungover on Monday and they're not going to be on their A game. Sorry. And then they're going to interact with somebody else whose grandmother didn't bake them the chocolate chip cookies that they liked for their kids. And their kids were up all night because they're upset because they didn't get what they wanted and, and they're tired. And then those two people are going to interact and there's going to be not an optimal interaction. Define that for yourself, whatever that means. And so, these things are always happening. So you've got you've got entropy in the whole universe all the time. You got fallible 
fallible and um, irrational human beings working on everything. And then also your third thing is, is that uh, it's when you when you go into the understory to create something, to pull you go into the chaos, you, you in your mind, you have a perfect vision of what you want to create. So I'm writing this book right now. Right. I've actually written it. I'm kind of rewriting it. I got a course that I'm working on. And in my mind, I have the perfect idea, a utopian idea of what this book should be. I've got a utopian idea of what this course should be. When I did my one man show in the Hollywood Fringe Festival, I had a utopian idea of what I thought it would be. It involved fireworks and, and a cameo drop in by Belle Biv DeVoe. It was going to be awesome. It was going to be, it was going to be, there was going to be a smack it up, flip it, rub it down moment with Belle DeVoe just standing up in the crowd and nobody recognized them because it's Belle DeVoe and it just was going to be fucking fantastic. But when you go into the, in the creative mode and you're going to create something, you go into the understory, you go into the chaos, you create, you create order and then you pull it out of there. And that transition from your mind to the chaos, to the order, then back to reality, it's impossible to make that the same. Just so you know, that one's also for free. So the understory itself will not allow you to create the vision that you have in your head of what you're trying to create. And if you have the idea of your your skepticism, caveat emptor, buyer beware, if you have the idea that you know, one, how that process should have gone and you're going to judge it, you don't have that perspective. You don't know all four of those factors. You don't know how much of the entropy is at play. You don't know about the human human factors that are at play. You don't know about the what went into creating that business. Like I love when people get so sassy pants about, well, you should be doing this. And I listen, I used to be this guy because I was programmed that way. Not proud of this. Super not proud of this. I sent an email once to customer service of a of a of an information product that I had purchased that there was a spelling error and I just wanted to bring it to their attention. That's where I was. Not proud of that. In fact, it's one of my least proud moments of my entire life because I had the gall to to send someone an email that had taken all the entrepreneurial risks that has probably employed somewhere between 50 and 100 people that had gone through 10 or 15 years of developing basically their message in their course and then having the gall to say to them, hey, fuckers. There's a you got a you got a you got a spelling spelling mistake on your course, a course that I had not even attempted to go through to get the results from because it was a form of skepticism because I was like, I, don't, I just didn't want to believe anything was going to work because that's what I was taught, either taught, taught, trained or educated, as they say. Form of skepticism because I had utopian thinking about my own abilities and perspectives, right? Like, stop judging everyone else. It's a killer. It's not a killer for everybody else. Do you know what they did at the customer service when I got that email from me? Nothing. Why? Because they're like, this guy's not a fit for us. Go away. Go away. We don't want you in our program. We don't want you in our course. And if you find yourself judging what you're paying, what you selected to pay for, and you're not happy with it, and you're using that as an excuse to not do what you are what you are trying to do, that's on you. It's not on the people who are trying to help you. Like if you put something in the marketplace and you're trying to do a course to help people, like I'm trying to help you. If you're stuck in a nine to five right now and you hate it because you don't like being employed by someone else and you haven't figured out yet that you need to make your place, that that's the type of person you are, I'm trying to help you understand that. If you're gigatized, gigatized, I keep wanting to say gigatized, like you're like an AI construct there, you're gigatized the 10.10.1 gigawatts. If you're commoditized in the gig economy, thank you, Wade's brain, see? 
slow, slow today. If you're commoditized by the gig economy and you do a whole sorts of an education bridge for, bridge for a, po- a prospect on a pretty expensive thing and they go, I'm going to go to thank you for all this information. I didn't even know I needed this. Now I, I've needed this. Uh, but your competitor here is doing it for $100 and they do the same thing. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad I spent 12 hours answering your question so that you could go to my competitor for $100 less. Or if you've created a business that you fucking hate because you're a slave to it, it runs you, you don't run it, I'm trying to help you. Why? Because, well, on the days that I'm feeling altruistic, I like helping people and I think it's the right thing to do. And on the days I'm feeling selfish, I'm providing value to the marketplace so that I can get paid. And those two things are the same thing. So I'm always doing the right thing. Oh, that one's for free. That's a trick. With enough perspective and enough enough introspection and enough going into the understory on paper and purpose, you can actually put your put your selfish needs in alignment with what's actually right and good to do. But it's really hard to do that if you have utopian thinking. Because it's really hard to move off of the place that you're on when you can literally, because of the principles and factors that I lined out for you, find fault with everything. You can find fault with every person. You can find fault with every every course. You can find fault with every product, every institution, every government. And then all you do is you just sit there and you're just mad. And then you go on Facebook and you just talk about how mad you are. And that's cool. Like I'm going to do, I'm back on Facebook today and I think I'm going to irritate some people today. I think I'm going to take this message about utopianism and skepticism onto the, onto the Facebook today because I flatlined my Facebook page for 90 days. I just quit for 90 days. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. It's a dystopian nightmare. All everyone is doing is complaining. And so I, you know, it, and it was from both sides. It was in, it's, it's, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I long for the days when people would just post pictures of their food and their cats even their kids. Like I have friends on there who literally were like post post pictures, baby pictures of their kids like every single day. And like when you're a new parent, like it's cool. Like, oh my God, this is so amazing. My baby took a poop. Oh my God, it's amazing. But you know, they keep pooping every day, multiple times a day, most of the time. If they're eating properly, three times a day, eat, 20 minutes later, eliminate. The meal before, I think is the math. I think that's what, how it works out. And I used to get so cranky about that. I was like, okay. That was before the snooze, when you couldn't snooze people. Um, And like, look, like, I was the most guilty person in the whole wide world. That's why I can speak with some level of opinion on it, because I was that guy. I just I just told you I bought a course and I sent an email to the people that said, hey, there's a typo in your materials. Who wants who wants to who wants to coach that guy? Nobody. How much, how much benefit does that guy get from the, from his self-improvement courses? None. Utopian thinking will kill you, but utopian thinking is not limited to utopian thinking about governments or religions. There is a lot of utopian thinking about yourself and your, your own personal abilities and your own ability to judge the world. The world is so complex that your brain is forced to engage heuristics that are patently false just to be able to not go insane. Like the ideas of risk, the amount of risk, like this is the whole thing about this whole pandemic thing, right? It's it's the amount of risk assessment that is going on. And I'm not even saying, 
I'm not even. I'm saying on both sides. I'm saying there's a side that's that's in, saying that there's zero risk, which is false, and then there are sides that's saying that the risk of of death, injury, long term problems, is more than anything else that you face in your day to day life. Also false. Now, where's the answer in between? Really hard to say, because our sense making our sense making institutions have gone totally haywire. Everybody, not just, and I, I'm not even talking politically. Everything's gone fucking haywire. And it's really hard to make decisions when the when the institutions that we trust to give us information run the information through a blender of their own agenda first. There are very few sources of information in the world. I'm not just talking about the United States right now. There are very few there are very few sources of information in the whole world right now that don't go through a serious agenda-driven blender before you get the info. And the problems are so complex that it's very difficult for you to try to navigate them with your own anecdotal stories or your own anecdotal whatever like scientific experiment you run people who are like here's an oxygen meter and i'm wearing a mask and taking it off like come on guys guys let's get it together here and this is not being political this is just a fucking fact and and the reason why it's relevant to what i'm telling to you is that so how if, if you think that you can honestly be a skeptic of every single thing human thing in the world and that you are you're knowledgeable enough to be able to figure out what's what people's intentions are I don't know. You got a bigger superpower than I do. So what does this have to do with everything I'm talking about? And what I'm trying to do is this, is that the only way for us to muddle through is one say, all right, I understand that when I deal with other people, it's not going to go perfectly. So I'm going to give that person grace and I would ask that person to give me grace. Okay. Step one, got that accomplished. That's what I'm asking you for the podcast. Like, look, this is the 122nd episode. There are a million reasons for you not to listen. Every episode, I give you more than one, for sure. Sometimes I curse. Sometimes I say shit that doesn't make any sense because I think out loud. I'm working through ideas. Um, you're like, this guy doesn't have it together, right? This, he doesn't have his whole thing in place. And you're right. I don't. I have four levels. I have four levels in my value ladder. This right now is I'm messaging out the first one, right? I'm putting everything together for the first one. And if you want the whole value ladder all out perfectly for all four all four steps of where we're going at the end, when you pop out at the end and you're, you know, in charge of your own small island in the Pacific somewhere, built perfectly for you, however you like it, and it runs perfectly, the utopian vision at the end, then yeah, well, you can wait till that's done, which will be never. But so you, we've got to give each other grace, but I can help you because I'm talking, I've earned the right to tell you uh, the frameworks because I've earned them. Because I've experienced twenty fucking years of the three problems I just delineated to you, so you don't have to you don't have to spend twenty years in those the combination of those three things: trapped by the nine to five, commoditized by the gig economy, in a business that you hate that you created. You don't have to spend twenty years and figure out a way to get out of it yourself. I can help you do that really fast because I lived it and I did it. So I can talk with some level of authority on that issue. And that's what I'm trying to help you with. Other things, you don't want me trying to help you with political issues. Why? I just told you, my, just told you. It's like, no interest, no interest. I don't want to have to be perfect and say the perfect thing all the time to be able to get what I want. So that I'm not canceled. Cancel me all you want. That's fine. Go somewhere else. Find someone else to cancel. There's an endless, there's an endless supply of people to cancel in the world. So you can just keep doing that forever and never look at yourself and never look at trying to actually change things yourself. So just keep pointing out all the problems of other people in the world and have fun with that. 
but that's not what I want to do. And I don't want to deal with people like that. I don't, I don't, I mean, I may be forced to deal with them from time to time. I mean, life is weird. And so maybe I'll attract them to me because I'm saying I don't want to deal with them. I don't know. But here's the thing is that skepticism is a form of utopian thinking for yourself. And instead of trying to say that you fucking know everything and judging everything is why don't you try to do the best job you can to buy things, either a product, a course, coaching, a book, and consume it with a, not a, what is it? Not a servant's heart, but a, an open heart. Why would you buy from some, why would you buy something from someone if you were suspicious of them? I'm not saying there aren't people out there who like sell crap. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who will try to take advantage of you. I'm not saying that there are people out there that um, don't have your best interest in mind. Of course that's true. But one of your jobs when you're going to purchase something is is buyer. See, the thing about buyer beware is that it says that you've already bought it. Like to be a buyer, you must actually purchase the item. Right. So then you purchase it and then you want to beware. Why? It should really be prospective buyer beware. So before you buy something, do your due diligence, figure it out. But then once you buy something, come to it with an open heart. Come come, come to this podcast with an open heart that maybe I do have your best interest in mind because I know how much it sucks to be in a job where you have a boss that does not get it. And that is they're giving you instructions that you know from your experience aren't going to work. Not because you just don't think it's going to work, right? But from your, you have actually more experience in what you're doing than the boss is giving you instructions. I've been in that situation where it's like, look, I've done this more than you because of a weird circumstances of events in my life. I actually am now employed by you. Um, but I actually have some experience here. That's why you hired me. But now you're telling me something that I know is not only not going to work, but it's going to tank everything. Uh, that situation sucks. It's no, it's no fun to be in a situation where you can't produce because you're hamstring by the people who oversee you. Or, you know, like I said, like you're, you're, you, you spend a lot of time with someone and they're so thankful for all the time that you spent with them. And they're like, man, I really appreciate you. Thank you for teaching me that there was even a solution for me out there. That's awesome. You're awesome. Now I'm going to go pay this person because they're $100 cheaper than you. It's being commoditized. Or in a job you hate, where you're sitting in a courtroom in LA County, got a suit on, you just fought traffic for two and a half hours, you have a judge yelling at you, you know that no matter what you do, your client's not going to be happy with you, and you're the person that put that business together. You you purposely put yourself in that situation every day where you just get yelled at and just get your ass kicked all the time because just the positioning that you're in. You're the least powerful person in the in the uh, economic transactions that you're having every single time. When you're a criminal defense attorney, you're the least powerful person in every economic transaction because your your client tells you what to do and you have to advise them and try to persuade them. But ultimately, they tell you what to do because you work for them. The judges have power over you. The prosecution has power over you because they can force you to stay in the they can force you to stay in the game. A prosecutor, if they want, in big cases, can force you to go to trial. Well, how is that true, Wade? Well, you have a case. And they're like, we're not going to give you an offer. Got to plead to the charge. And if the charge is 50 years and your guy's... 60, it's a death sentence. So you have to go to trial. Your client, the prosecutor, and the judge can all force you to go to trial. You don't really want to go to trial. Like, this is a terrible case. I don't really want to go to trial. Too bad. And 
I put myself in that situation by creating a business that provided that service to prospective clients. And I'm sitting in court and I'm like, there has to be a better way than this. This sucks. And there is. And here I am. So I know how to get out of business you hate. And, th- and I want you to come to this podcast with an open heart. And be like, mm, well, maybe this guy is trying to do a podcast to like bring people into his world to maybe then eventually try to give them products and ask for money. Yes. Yep. Oh, what? Yes, I'm providing value for you. And eventually I'll provide enough value for you where I'll deserve to be compensated by the marketplace. And if not by you, person listening, the actual you, not the proverbial you, then somebody else will see the value and give me money for it. If you don't see the value, that's okay. Keep consuming. Eventually you will. Because the value I bring is 20 years of experience solving a problem that you a lot of people have. And that's just the that's just the commerce problem. Now let's throw in the connections problem where you're married and trying to pull this off. Have fun trying to sell your wife leaving a stable, secure nine to five to start your own business and something you've never done before. Have fun trying to do that on your own. One of the biggest reasons people don't start their own business is because is because they don't know how to navigate and get their connections on board. And it's it's not some magical trickery. It's it's an education bridge. First you have to understand, oh shit, I actually am not built to find my place. I will never be able to find it. I I have to make my place. It's like being born with diabetes. You were born a certain way. You were born an entrepreneur. I don't necessarily think that entrepreneurs are made. I think it's a personality trait. Some people would call it a maladaptive personality disorder, but I think you were just born in such a way that you were not fit to be in a job. It's like you were born with diabetes and you can't process sugar. You can't, there's, ooh, there's something there. Here it comes. There's something there. Like it's a, you can't process, you can't process job. Right, you're. It's. I'm gonna invent it. It's a disease that you're born with. It's like entrepreneur, entrepreneuritis. You have entrepreneuritis. You can't. Your 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 brain cannot process job. It's and you went to the doctor and they gave you a test. I'm like, oh my god, Mr. Jones, you have entrepreneuritis. What's that? It's like restless leg syndrome. What's that? You. Uh, I still don't know what it is. Sounds bad, but uh, you have entrepreneuritis. That means that that that. You cannot, your brain cannot process job and over time it will kill you. If not literally, metaphorically, your dreams will die and you'll be lead a life of quiet desperation. And uh, when you're old, you'll wonder where the time went and you wished you would have done something differently and you'll have deep, 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 deep regret. Deep regret. You have entrepreneuritis, entrepreneuritis. And that's part of it is educating your wife that you have entrepreneuritis and it's really bad for the marriage over time. And so that part of being able to figure out how to transition from a nine to five to making your own business is uh, to save the marriage. What? And if you can, if you can help her to understand that, and you can, you can engage in a process that shows her that her security and your children's security and your family security um, in the short term is your number one concern, but it's also the long term the number one concern. That's step two. Step one is just you being able to create a place for yourself to stand. 
your clearing where you can stand and you can start. And once you're in that place, understanding that you're in a process that you never have to restart, you only have to start over once. You only have to start once. But you'll never start if you engage in skepticism and utopian thinking about your own ability to figure out how to get out of the situation that you're in. The wrapping is unseen by the present. Your G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip does not know what color the wrapping paper is that's around the back of it. It doesn't. Neither do you. Your commerce con- You cannot solve your commerce problem with the con- your commerce consciousness that you have. So we got to take you out of that first. So I got a little spicy today. I got a little heated today. I got a little excitable. Ah, I got excitable. My hope for you is that you know that there is hope. My hope for you is that when you're sitting in your car in the parking lot of either your house, you don't want to leave or your work, or you don't want to go in, and you're like, how the fuck am I going to get out of this? And you know you don't know. That you actually have everything that you need right now to figure it out. You just don't know how to access. You just don't know how to access it. I just ask that you have an open, humble heart. Because you can solve anything with an open, humble heart. And when you start to surround your, yourself with other people who have an open, humble heart, who don't think they know everything... You can accomplish anything together. But that starts with you. So what I want you to do is I want you to take out your working papers. If you don't have working papers, take out your Ranger Field Journal. If you don't have a Ranger Field Journal, take out a regular journal. If you don't have a regular journal, for love of fucking God, go buy a journal. But for now, take out your Unicorn Trapper Keeper from the fifth grade and just write down, am I a skeptic in my life? Write a couple paragraphs on it. Answer that question for yourself. And just remember... There is no end if it's in the path to understanding. If you are listening to this podcast and you are an online entrepreneur, I know exactly what it feels like to be you because I am one. I know what it's like to know that you are smart and work your ass off, but always feel like you cannot get traction. I know what it feels like to have your spouse support you outwardly, but on the inside, they're saying to themselves, is this going to work? And I know that you want to create something in business, but you always end up chasing the same dollar over and over. Or maybe you want to create something in the arts, but you feel like you shouldn't play there. So you wander in the forest, stuck in the understory. I spent over 40 years there fighting the same monsters and bandits over and over. And when I discovered that if you learn what the understory is and you start to go there on purpose, you can find a clearing where you have clarity and power in your commerce, connections, and creations. You handle the forest like a badass ranger with the proper mindsets and skill sets that you need. Not once chosen for you by some guru or your parents, but chosen by you on paper on purpose. We can walk the understory together, but I cannot find you unless you raise your hand and say, I'm over here. Subscribe to my email list at understorylawyer.simplecast.com. Let's find your clearing together, a place free of entanglements, a place with a bedrock foundation, and a place where you set the boundaries, not anyone else.